This is Saturday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Talking Bruins and the NHL with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. Old time hockey, like it is sure. Bruins writer Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. A bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And featuring contributions from WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson, former Bruin and WAAF personality Lyndon Byers, and nine-year NHL veteran Ryan Whitney. Whitney has tied Sneaks in from the point. Saturday Skate is brought to you by AT&T and Star Market. Need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. For yeah, we got a lot. Lace him up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. All right, can we cut out the criticism of Anton Kadobin, Admiral? It's two weeks in a row. Seriously, are you really going to beat up on the backup goaltender for giving up a couple? Why do you think? Backup goaltenders are exempt from criticism. They're professional goaltenders. They're supposed to stop the puck. Can we can we examine the goals that were allowed in these games, please? I know last week you didn't want to do that. You just wanted to blindly no, look at the four no, 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 and no, say, no. I said and said I didn't want to do it. I said I couldn't recall them off the top of my head from uh-huh. two, three nights ago. That earlier. was convenient. Okay. I like that. It was a good excuse. You, you can go with them all you want. I mean, the save percentage is what it is, what it is. and it's been terrible. Oh, I mean, this is he's played in what? Six games, okay? Mm-hmm. His save percentage in each of those games, 833, 862. Two games were good, 931, 967. Then an 818, and the other night an 852. That's unacceptable for any goalie in the National Hockey well, League. Well, he's played I, in six games. I mean, those those stats are pretty meaningless. Let's no, just they're go, not. Let's go by save the percentage in- is a key stat for a goalie. At eight, I mean, his 882 save percentage is terrible. It's probably it's got to be among the worst in, in the backups of but the league. But it's such a small sample size. I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is the numbers are skewed. Look at the last three games he's played. He played. He won. Um, he played uh, Anaheim. Yes, the Anaheim game was a what a. Well, no, before that, now let's go back. Because he played in Anaheim, he played in Colorado the prior week. And then before that, he won. And before that, he was hurt. So he played a couple games early in the year, he got torched. I think the Toronto game was one of them. And he was forced to play against uh, Montreal early in the year when uh, when Tuca was out with injury. Then he came back, he had a good performance in... Uh, la, 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 la. He, Calgary had a good game. That was, a, one, that was uh, a game, actually. The game, yes, the he... Calgary game. Thank you. 2-1. Actually, they lost the game. Yeah, they lost the game. He won one. He's won one game versus Carolina. He did. He played. He and the played Carolina very, game they very won, good. That which game. was the lone game they've had a backup goaltender win this year. Correct. Besides yes. Rask. Okay. Colorado last week they got down two zero and and three zero quick. But Spooner was flailing all over the place. On one of them, Krug gave it up at the blue line, uh, which allowed an odd man break the other way. He did have one bad one in the Colorado game. The short side goal, which made it three to nothing, was definitely on Kadobin. Okay, the other night against Anaheim. The Cogliano goal went off Krejci's stick in it. I mean, Krejci even admitted after the game, I put it in my own net. That's on me. The second goal was an on-man break from Bieksa coming out of the penalty box with that cross-ice, that horrible cross-ice pass. Who was it? Marchand tried to hit Spooner. Missed him by about 10 feet. It goes off the corner boards, and you got a guy springing back the other way uh, with no chance. You can't blame Kadobin for a Giving up a break right. goal. And obviously, you know, I'm not blaming him for every goal, but he needs to be better. I don't see how you can argue with me that he doesn't need to be better. He's got a 3-2-0 and an 8-8-2. That's not good. He's got to be better. And obviously, yeah, breakaways aren't necessarily goalie's fault. Uh, you do get him stop one once in a while. And deflections, right, those happen. But 
that's not, you know, he's, his play is sub-pie. I mean, I, you know, you could pick a pie every goal and say, okay, he, he shouldn't have gave that one, he shouldn't give that one. But the numbers are what they are. And, you, and you, you know, you got to wonder, is is the Bruins, how much longer are they going to keep going to him if this is the play they're going to get from them? I well, mean, I just think it's funny. The first thing that people are, are yelling about after a couple of these losses, well, could Owen's got to be better? Okay, let's examine the circumstances with defensemen all over the place in their own zone. Carlo coughed it up on the third goal that Anaheim scored the other night. They couldn't get it out. Uh, turned it straight over. Getzloff stole it. Silverberg made a nice pass. Now, I don't know how many goaltenders on the planet could have made some of these saves. I, I'm not saying this is an all-star goaltender here, but it's the backup. He had a couple rough games after winning one, and it's it's like this is the, ma- the biggest ailment that the Bruins are facing right now. I think you have pretty low standards for what a backup goaltender in the NHL should be. I mean, they, these guys... He's 1-2 that- and two over his last three. With two poor performances in front of him, he, I mean, I, I, by the group, he hasn't, by the defensive group, by any measure, he has not been a more than adequate backup goalie for the Bruins. He she needs to better. We've seen him. We know how good he can be as a backup. He was so good as a backup here at one time. He got a starting job out of it. That's how good of a backup he was at one time. We know he can be better. I want him to be better. I wish he was better. But you you know it, you know backup goalie doesn't mean that oh you get, you're gonna get a crap performance no you should get a pretty good effort from a from a guy who's just below a number one caliber goaltender um and now you you know you're looking they they gave Zane McIntyre they gave him a, a two game whirl earlier in the year uh, he didn't necessarily look a hundred percent ready for NHL play he did show some certainly some signs he he reminded me of Tim Thomas with his athletic ability and kind of you know kind of loosey goosey style on the net you know Tim. Tuka were used to kind of calm and measured and, you know, limiting his movements where, where Zane McIntyre looks a little more like Timmy. And that's not a criticism. That's just a, a style thing. Um, but you wonder, I mean, if Hedovin gives you another game or two like this, I mean, you know, you, you, you would wonder, call McIntyre up? If, if, if your backup keeps giving, giving up three to four goals a game, absolutely. You know what also complicates this, though? Because, look, Claude has brought his name up, too. So, obviously, he agrees more with you than, than – uh, you know, and my nope. defense of him. So I, you got Claude on your side. That's something. Uh, I mean, I think it's an, it's an excuse for, for poor team play around him. But fine, if he wants to go there, maybe he would make the change. But that complicates the Las Vegas situation, doesn't it? Because they wanted tactically to have a second goaltender available so they don't have to protect right. everybody that's, in the in the expansion right. draft in the offseason. But you can't let of, of an expansion draft determine you know, whether you're going to win a game tonight. I mean, that's obviously, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they signed him in two years with – you know, possibly they're thinking of you know this. You know, Las Vegas might want him, and you know we we can expose him and still protect our two young goalies. But yeah, you know, first off, I mean, if Vegas is watching him this year, I highly doubt they're, they're thinking of drafting him with all the other goalies that are going to be available based on what we've seen so far. What Krug? But I mean, he would he would protect Krug in that case. Like he'd be a guy you you wouldn't obviously protect, and then you would fulfill your goaltender. Requirements. Well, I, 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 again, I don't want to put the, the the franchise building with a Vegas. I had a point being the Bruins' priority is the Bruins in winning for right now. Agreed. They're not going to say, well, geez, we don't want to send them down because we could lose them to waivers um, because sending them down exposes them because we need them for the, you know. Oh, I see. So you're we need you're saying hold. nobody would claim them off waivers this year if they sent them down. No, I'm, no, no. I'm not saying no. I I don't think anyone would. I because you know I think everyone teams are pretty much all set. It's a possibility. What I'm saying is I don't think the Bruins are factoring in the Las Vegas expansion into their thinking right now. If they decide to send Hudobin down, I don't think it's like well we won't have him to pro- to protect. Oh, we won't have him to protect come the expansion time. That's I I think they're just thinking okay we need to win games. Uh, Hudobin's not helping us in the, in the backup role. 
let's see what, if McIntyre give us something different. It, I, I think I don't even think Vegas it, it enters their thinking. Okay, it, you know, I just well, you give him the phony baloney injury then and put him on injured reserve for for a couple weeks or whatever. You could always pull yeah, that trick. Yeah, you can always do that. <laughs> sure. Uh, regardless, though, Kadobin's not going to be. Well, they have actually they have another back to back coming up. I, I don't know how long you can ride Rask, but when Rask has been in there, his numbers are phenomenal. There's no doubt. Twenty three games this year, he's fifteen five and three. One nine goals against average, nine thirty save percentage. The question becomes: If the coaching staff believes, uh, agrees with you, and they think Kadobin stinks, and they just don't want to play him, how hard can you and should you ride Tuca here for the next couple weeks? Well, that's the thing. You, you, I don't want you don't want to. You want to. I mean, you want to use him in you know the, the bigger games, so to speak. I mean, Florida is a, a division game. I think that's a big game. Carolina is a team that's below you in the standings, but it's still in your conference. And those are back to back Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday. Week. I'm, you know, in, in in Rask, you know, any goal if you ride him too high, you're gonna you're gonna see the effects of it. Like, what, what game was it? Uh, I I'm trying to think. Of, I don't know if it was the, the Pittsburgh game. There was one one of the games he played. Rask looked a little bit off. It, it, it looked like a guy who'd been playing too much hockey. Now, just to circle back to my uh, Zane McIntyre, looking at his numbers, have you seen him down in Providence? He's six and zero with a one three six and a point nine five two save percentage. Those are the type of numbers that typically get you a view in the in the big show. And and that that's I should have I should have referenced it. Then that's that's a, a, one of the reasons I think that the Bruins should bring him up, not just to Dobin's subpar play, but the fact that McIntyre has probably earned himself another look with the big with the big club. And that that's you know and McIntyre he, played in the other game at the Bell Center where he gave up that goal late. He played really right, well. He did, he did for like fifty eight minutes, and then Byron scored with a minute left. Right, and I think that's more indicative of the goal he is. So you know, right now the the priority is for the Bruins to, to maximize point points, get as many as you can, and I think. You know, I think maybe putting Zane McIntyre in as your backup right now will, will probably, you know, yield you more points than what you're getting out of Anton, Hudob- Anton Hudobin right now. I wouldn't roll it out, but I just think it's a, such a small sample size that people need to get, just give the guy a chance who's, here. Whose sample size? Hudobin? Six or? games for Hudobin. For, yeah. Well, well it's, it's really, well, three, and really three, really. three in the last couple months yeah, since but the guys I mean, come back off. Injury. So how many, what do you need him to see blow, blow, see him blow three more games before you're convinced that he he's He didn't that, blow any games. Those two games were not on him, in my opinion. Okay. But we disagree on that. D. <laughs> 617-779-7937. This is a, it, it, I, looking at the schedule a couple weeks ago, this didn't look like that difficult of a stretch, but they do have Columbus coming up, and for a while that looked like one of the dogs of the league. It's amazing what the Jackets have done. They and Philly have taken off in the Metro to the point where they've kind of eliminated. There are five good teams in the Metropolitan Division now, Admiral, and the, yeah. the, they have kind of eliminated Jersey from contention. Uh, Carolina is sort of reeling right now, even though they've been okay. Who's the other team at the bottom of that division? They, the Islanders, who've been a yeah, real disappointment, stink. really big disappointment. And that's a gift on your schedule if you're the Bruins Tuesday because you get the Islanders at home, you would think. Yeah, there, that's are no, a game. there are no gifts in the NHL. That's a gift. As far as NHL teams go, that's a gift. But no longer is the trip to Columbus a gift, although the Bruins have handled them in the first two meetings this year. I think they've scored like 11 goals against them. But are they for real? They're the best team in hockey right now. They're, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, well, until they do in the playoffs, they're not for real, and that would go for any team. Um, but, yeah, I think it's kind of good because a lot of people on them begin the year, Tortorella, I mean, a lot of people don't like Tortorella because he's abrasive and they don't like his style and Therefore, they, they were rooting against Columbus. I, I I like that. I like that he's you know not liked and he's winning because people you know people didn't like him for silly reasons. He's a proven coach. Uh, I think he's probably he was made a it. bully. He bullied, tried to bully media members around. He was oh, unprofessional. Please. That's if, if 
I'm, I'm bully me. If you're if you're in a media scrum and a guy's taught, it's like uh, he was a jerk. He's a flat yeah, yeah, jerk. Being he's a an jerk. A-hole. I don't I don't buy being bullied. I mean, if you're standing with a guy, if he's talking to you, being a jackass, big deal. He's not. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that a, a, an adult and a fellow adult can bully you because you ask him a question. I don't know. I think that's a. Weak... See, it was just disrespect. Yeah, he's, he's a he good coach. Be, he there's can no, be a jerk to no media, doubt. but I mean, as far as bullying, I don't know. I mean, well, let's see. Is he a good coach? He, I mean, he won a cup. So yeah, he, you can't take he's that away. Very he won a good cup coach. With Tampa. He's very he, good coach. He was terrible in Vancouver, though. You got to run well, out of there. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, that that probably had as much to do with the with the organization and a terrible team as it did with Tortorella. It's not like somebody came in after him and won with that same roster. That was true. That was a bad team and. He was, probably, he was probably Erickson's feeling that this year. Granted, he was probably the not the ideal, probably the worst coach to bring in in that situation. It was a bad hire, but it was a bad team too. The Rangers uh, got better without him. That would be one. Yeah, ca- well, that's counter, but perhaps yeah, their well, personnel uh, change too. Exactly. Well, yeah, but after after they had success with him, I mean, that's what happens with a guy like Tortorella. He burns you out after three or four years. He's great. He gets results early on, and you know, three or four years in, guys get sick of him. But if you can get get something in those three to four years, then it's well worth it. And Columbus is outstanding. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky has been playing out of his mind. He's and given up ten goals in his last eight starts. That's that's something else. I mean, in in his career, he, he has had. You keep hitting he, the I know, I keep hitting that. He has had um, some streaks like that, and then he's kind of reverted back to, you know, being not such a great goalie. But uh, he doesn't show any signs of doing that this year. Um, they got that Seth Jones deal ended up being a monster deal from you know trading um, what's his name Johansson to Nashville, which. Was a, a a huge blockbuster. You trade a guy like Ryan Johansson, you know, a dynamic forward to a, an up and coming defenseman, Seth Jones, and it was one of those like blockbuster trades. I think because it was Columbus and Nashville, it may not have reverberated as much as you know, like say the Subban, uh, Shea Weber trade. But that was a huge deal for Columbus. Uh, Seth Jones is coming into his own, dynamic young defenseman. They just you know what eight? What do they won eight in a row? All right now I'm confusing them with nine the zero and one in their last ten. Yeah, yeah eight it, straight. Yeah, it, it, it's been it's been impressive. I mean, and you're looking at them. They're two points back of Pittsburgh for the most points in the NHL, and they have three games in hand. And again, like going back to what you said, the Metropolitan top five teams in that division all have forty or more points. There's only one team in the West right now that has more than 40 or more points in Chicago. Well, what it spells out for the Bruins and teams like them in the Atlantic, everybody's bunched up. I mean, you can't even really eliminate the Leafs or the, or the Wings right now. They're not that far back with some games in hand. But you've got to get in the top three. I mean, th- this run that the Jackets and the uh, Flyers have been on, I, I, it's not a clinch. I mean, you still have 60% of the season to go. But these are the kind of streaks that, you know, some people will just tune in for playoff hockey. But this is this has gone a long way to getting a playoff berth for for Columbus and Philly. They'd have to really collapse at this point. You give yourself a 10-point cushion around the holidays, that is big. And that's why the Bruins in this stretch, they're just kind of spinning their tires. They're fine. But if they had unloaded on some of these bad teams at home and gotten on a streak of their own, they would have been in that same situation. Yeah, they would definitely have a little bit more cushion room right now. And they, and they don't. I mean, they are third in the Atlantic. And, yeah, it certainly appears as though right now they're only going to be three teams from the Atlantic in the playoffs, given the way the Metro has been. Um, taking a look, uh, the bottom two seeds right now, Washington and Philly, both have 41 points, and they're only the seven and eight seeds because you know because the uh, Penguins, Rangers, and Columbus are all ahead of them, with all with you know 44, 43, and 42 points. So yeah, the Bruins, you know, they're, they're in a playoff spot right now, but they're only two points ahead of Florida, who's presently in the ninth seed. You know, and they're playing them this week, and that that's that's a huge game. That's that's a game like. You know, you you don't want that to be a three point game. You want the Bruins to get the only two points and and not let a, a loser point get had from that game. Because you know, you're right, they're not stepping on throats like they need to 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 get some 
some cushion, some room like like we're seeing the teams in the Metropolitan doing right now. Because, you know, you can have a bad week, and next thing you know, you're on the outside staring on the inside. Well, our buddy uh, Ty Anderson from our website, who covers the Bruins for us at WEI.com, said at the start of the week when he looked at the schedule after the Toronto game, it's a pretty intimidating stretch for the Bruins. You had three and four nights, which they played. Montreal, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, who's a perennial playoff team. You come into this weekend, L.A., as you pointed out, as a physical team. Then you've got Columbus and some other difficult teams on the horizon. Ty threw it out there that this could be the stretch where Julian gets fired if they would go on a, on a, a stretch where they just don't play well. And you saw in the Pittsburgh game, they threw up the graphic of Mike Sullivan, former Bruins coach, who at this time last year came in and took over in Pittsburgh. And they went on a run to win the Cup. It happens so frequently in the NHL, it seems a little early, but other teams have done it, and other teams have done it to great success. Was Ty on to something? Do you think Julian was in a precarious spot? They took three out of four points in those two games, I think, and that and probably now the Pasternak injury has bought him some time. But the fact that they called up or you know, promoted last year their AHL coach, and he's sitting there on the bench, Bruce Cassidy. They sort of have a guy waiting in the wings. That button is there to push this year, maybe more so than in other years. And maybe ties on to something. Maybe, I mean, this is a critical stretch for Julian to, to keep his job. Yeah, I think you could say that about really any stretch of play. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing to warrant fire and close Julian right I now. I wouldn't do it either. I, I, I don't. But, Think there's anything to hang your hat on? Is I mean, obviously there there are nits to pick in his coaching. You know, like we mentioned, putting certain players on the power play or not putting certain players on the power play. Uh, those are kind of minor quibbles in the overall thing. Uh, I I don't see how, how or why Claude's really responsible for you know. Well, if there's even a problem, I mean they're in the they're a, they're a playoff seed right now. The third in the division. Well, the offense stinks and the power play stinks. Right, those would be but, two easy things to point. Out. Okay, the power play you can put on the coaching, but. The, you know the roster. Claude doesn't construct the roster. The fact that they don't have an, an, another top six score on that roster right now—that's not Claude's fault. He's coaching with what he has. He's doing what he can. Um, it, you know, like Ryan said on the Whitney said on the call earlier. I mean, he's he's a great coach. He's well respected. He'd get hired in, in a half a second if you if you were to get fired. Uh, I, I I just don't know. Like, oh well, this. I mean, every well, the st- argument for it is. It's just a change for change sake. I don't well, think that, anybody would argue with that. That's a terrible you. argument, and I'm well, sorry. Well, it's not always. There, there, it, it can be well, a ask, spark. Flor- ask the Florida Panthers about that right now. Well, know? ask the Penguins last year. Right, but they And were- actually, Florida hasn't been that bad. They've been okay. But, Flor- but Florida was... The, the Penguins didn't make a change for change's sake. They brought in a guy with a whole new style and a whole new outlook and a whole new way to you know have players play. I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, let's make a change. Let's bring in this guy and... I mean, it was a lot of thought process that went into that. It wasn't like a willy-nilly thing. But he was their AHL coach. They brought him up. They had kind of put him in there as a but he was class also, in case of emergency. But he was also a previously established NHL coach who kind of had to you know, go back. And for, for whatever reason, Mike Sullivan took a long time to get a job after Boston, which I still don't understand. But, and, you know, I covered that team for a stretch, and Mike Johnston, the guy they fired, had no NHL experience. Right. So it's, much, and, and it's, a big, I, it's a big difference from and Julian. And I think it showed. In, in you know, it definitely coach. showed. And I think that was the reason. It wasn't like, oh, let's let's make a change. But, I mean, you can, you know, I mean, I think you could take any chunk of the schedule and say, well, this is this is you know, all important. I mean, yeah, they do have, let's see, the next five games are all uh, Eastern Conference games. Uh, let's see, four of them. I'm sorry, three of them in the division, but couple home I, games here I, I in the next two. Yeah, I don't like to look at a ch- chunk of games and say, "Oh, well, Claude's on the clock." I mean, I I don't even think any that's even on the front office's mind right now. I wouldn't have brought it up, but our guy Ty, no. who's there all the time, put it in his yeah. story that he thought it was the case. So that makes yeah, me and, perk and up. And a Ty bit. certainly is is around the team a hell of a lot more than I am. I'm not casting aspersions on a reporter or anything. I just 
I just don't think that this you know, next set of games is any real major bearing on Claude. I mean, and the, the, the major issue with this team is its lack of goal scoring, and that has nothing to do with what Claude's doing. Well, if they, if they dramatically change the system, it could. I mean, maybe. Well, start, who's going to start lose... scoring goals in this team if they change the system? Well, you would lose the theory would be you loosen up the the reins in in terms of assignment hockey right in the neutral zone. This team is very disciplined and always has been, and it's it's been a big reason for their success. But would would it free up guys to be a little more offensive minded? But who like I want like who are you talking about? Who is going to start scoring goals Bergeron. on this roster? Let's start with Bergeron. Well, see, I I mean, but he's so in, he's not he, he's played Bergeron's for not not Claude's scoring because of Claude's system right now. Bergeron's not scoring because he's because he's hurt. Well, any player who's got to expend energy to play a two hundred foot game like Bergeron does, if you can cheat a little bit and conserve a little energy to put more you know to put more forth and be a more up-tempo style. I, I don't know. I'm no X's and O's hockey expert, but there would it would seem to me you could have a short-term effect of getting a coach in here with a different style that's going to focus on offense more so than counter-punching and some of the things that Claude does so well. I mean, it may, it may blow up on him. It, it, yeah. it, would, it would be an atomic uh, but, bomb, basically. But again, be a desperation you move. You don't can a coach for, for no reason. I just don't think there's any reason to fire Claude. I mean, I don't even know why... The, you wouldn't entertain the thought again. Now, if they lose five games in a row, yeah, that would and, be the case. And they're you not doing say... something. Okay, but but you know, I think they've been bouncing back pretty well. I mean, look, you know, the other night, Monday night was, you know, probably the best game of the year. They played the whole team played great. They went in a, a tough a tough bond, the, the toughest bond they go into, and and they came out with two points. So, you know, I, I, again, well, let's say they lose to the Islanders, Florida, Carolina, Buffalo in the back to backs at the turn of the calendar. Takes them out, and they go into one thing you've pointed out, and I agree with you. They've been resilient. They don't go under. The last couple of years, they haven't had losing streaks that have gone on very long. I think that's the clothes' credit. He's kept the team together, except for the end of the year, which is a big except, right? Because well, they've had a couple of bad finishes to miss the postseason. But if indeed Jacobs is sitting there thinking we got to make the playoffs, and they get in, and for a rare stretch they get into a little funk, and he's got Cassidy there, and he says, "I'm, I'm just going to take a chance." that a new face is going to shake it up. It's possible, right? When you give it a chance, that it could happen if things got bad. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the, the whole caveat. If things, you know, were going off the rails with, with a guy. And now Pasternak's out for a couple games, and that might hurt them. But I think that actually just works to Claude's benefit. That would actually be, a you know, an excuse that he could use legitimately that, hey, we're that's, missing a couple bodies Yeah, right now. I don't even, like, I'm, like I said, I don't even think he's, there's any even real heat. I mean, there's always heat on a, on a pro coach, of course, but... I, I mean, I don't get the sense that there's, there's a particular extra any particularly extra heat on Claude right now. I just, I just don't see it. And I, I, I me a couple too. I screwed up. I, I was reading the schedule in front of me, and I'm sorry. They have the Kings and the Islanders before the five game stretch I was referring to. So yeah, they they don't have as many division games coming up as I thought. But either way, they're they're all important games coming up. Um, like I said, I I mean, every game is important. Every game is two points. Though obviously the division games carry some more weight, but. Yep. Um, I I, don't know, I have no issues with, with the way Claude has done things, other than maybe you know power play dispersal. Okay, we'll get Chris and some others in uh, coming up. You can reach us at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Ken Laird and Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. This is Saturday's Skate, brought to you by AT and T, Star Market, and Wise Snacks. We'll take a look at some of the big uh, hits and suspensions of the week in the National Hockey League, including Henrik Lundqvist getting run Oof. behind the net for the Rangers, and Admiral brought up the trade rumors, trade possibilities. For a Colorado guy, Jerome McGinley, last week, that got some more talk, and also some of the stars for the Avalanche uh, were thrown onto the fire as they look like a seller coming up. We'll discuss that next.
You are listening to Saturday Skate with Rear Admiral and Ken Laird on Sports Radio WEEI. Laird and the Admiral, that would be the Barstool Wizard. Somebody was asking on the text line, Laird, who is the, at with you? That is Rear Admiral. How, how do people not know you by now? You've been on with Arcan late nights. You've been all over the stool these days. Yeah, not everybody's a Barstool sports reader. I, I, I always remind myself of that. I mean, we, we're, we're pretty well known, but, you know, not everybody reads us, so that's, that's where I made my bones. You're a growing legend. You're getting some support on the text line today. Last week you were getting ripped for the Jerome McGinley suggestion, but you may have been proven right on that, actually. We'll, we'll see what happens. Texter from the 617 says, A small sample size for Kadobin is all that a backup goalie gets. The Admiral is correct. His save percentage is unacceptable. However, as you were uh, here during the break looking up uh, Zane McIntyre's numbers from his time in Boston, mm-hmm. he had a three-game sample that wasn't uh, exactly electric in the save percentage department. Uh, those were his first three NHL games ever. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so we so, make excuses for Zane, but could have been sold to a higher state. No, you make excuses for a guy who's literally thrown in a fire due to injury uh, in his first couple NHL games. Well, by the way, one he was great in Montreal. Um, yeah, you, you got a, a guy game in the last minute. A guy who's first. Three games in the NHL certainly gets a lot more uh, leeway than a guy who's been in the league for several years and uh, was already a, an established starter and should be a better number two goalie. Yeah. Okay, but would you yeah. call this young pup then up and replace Kudobin with McIntyre? If I'd give Kudobin another game or two, and if, if he doesn't get better, yeah, I would absolutely. McIntyre, um, well, we've taken a look during the break. He, he was he was up longer than I thought. I forgot Kudobin was out for a few weeks. McIntyre... Uh, mostly rode the pine because, you know, obviously Rask is Rask. Yep. Uh, he, they did send him down to Atlanta in the East Coast League, I think just to kind of get him a, a couple games before they brought him back up to Providence. Uh, he was he put up great numbers in the East Coast League. And then the six games since he's been back, like I, I he's won, uh, let's see, he's I'm sorry, five games he's played in December since he, he did a stint down the East Coast League. He's won all five of them, the save percentage in each game, 9-3-9, 9-7-4, 900, 969, and 935. Uh, that's pretty sick. That's that's some pretty sick goaltending the kid's been playing. I haven't seen him, obviously, um, but I do follow Mark Diver on Twitter, the mm-hmm. uh, fantastic uh, Providence Journal writer for covers the team. Was with us last week. Was with us last week. Um, I, I do follow him on Twitter, and I, I kind of get up. That's how I basically rely on for my status reports and update updates on, on Zane McIntyre. And, and he certainly looks like a goalie who's chomping at the bit to maybe – Get another another crack at it, and again, if Hudobin, you know, it's not like they got a, a ten point divisional lead and they can kind of squander points. I mean, these are these are points they're losing because uh, the goaltender's not up, the backup goaltender's not up to snuff, and you know, McIntyre is playing fantastic right now. I, I think, you know, if I'm the Bruins, I'm going to give strong consideration to seeing what McIntyre can do up here if he's playing that good down Providence. Speaking of goaltenders, didn't it uh, give you some degree of pleasure to see Henrik Lundqvist lit up behind the net by? Uh... Cody Eakin Oof. in the game against San Jose on Wednesday. No, San Jose. Who was it? Uh, Dallas. Dallas, yeah. Uh, he he got rocked behind the net. Now, he kind of went Vlade Divac flop, and the, and the mask went flying, because I guess he's got no... Well, the strap isn't on there too tight in the back, and there's no chin strap on those things anyway, which some people have called for. Uh, a bit of a diva showing by Lundquist, or did he actually get on that? He, he got he, <laughs> he got, got hit, trucked, dude. He got hit pretty good. He got trucked. Now, any goalie, if any smart goalie is going to sell it, because you know uh, you, you definitely want to try to get get a call there if you can. But I mean, he got trucked, man. He got 
trucked, and I'm the, I'm the first guy to call it a, a diva or a guy pulling a Meryl Streep out there in the ice. He got bundled, man. I mean, enough well, that you, you were Lundquist is concerned. an actor. Right, but he got hit hard enough to be concerned that, okay, I hope he's not concussed, not because the way he was acting after, just because, I mean, that, that's a lot of velocity. Even if a guy's only skating 10 miles an hour and he hits you, that's a hell of a lot of velocity. I and, wouldn't and, mind and, seeing a little more contact allowed for the goaltenders. It would be highly entertaining. It would yeah. also prevent them from coming out all the time. Uh, of and, course, and having but the you, bubble you, around. You got to have it all or nothing, though. You can't have like, I mean, if you're going to have goalies get hit, then you got to have goalies get hit. You can't. Well, no, you, know, you could say outside of a certain zone, like he was, he was in right. that trap well, or whatever behind right. that. But that's but, that's goalies are protected, and and I got no problem with that. I mean, your goalies are your goalies. You you know you, you're not going to have them vulnerable to checks or legally checked. I get all oh, you're out there, you should get hit, but that's not. They're a different position. There are different rules for them. And they're not expecting to get hit. So when you hit a goalie, it's generally a dirty hit. And that was a dirty hit the other night. That was especially flamboyant of a, of a finish. And he gets four games for that hit. And Mike Hoffman of the Ottawa Senators puts a two-hand cross-check to the back yeah. of Logan Couture's head, and he gets two for it. Yeah, it feels like we're dialing back the um, the discipline on the NHL. I mean, it was awful seven or eight years ago when uh, Colin Campbell was running it. It was, uh, it was a house of favors and favoritism. And, I mean, as all the emails that got dumped showed that you know, he he was definitely playing favorites. It wasn't a very, uh, it wasn't run very fairly. I don't think um, they obviously overhauled the office. That they do things a lot better. But uh, yeah, how do you, how do you put four four games for running a goalie? Which yeah, was was dirty versus two two games of legit cross checking a guy in the back of the head. Now I'm I'm not sure Cody Eakin. I'm sure he has a longer discipline file, and that would explain what the the, the disparity in suspensions is. But yeah, just from from the outside, they're looking two games for burying a guy in the back of the head, and you know it wasn't like he hit his shoulder pads and rode up. I mean, he caught him flush in the helmet. No, it was intentional and vicious. But you know, again, look, Cody Eakin has a record. He's got a file, and you know, it's like going up before the judge. Well, you already got a record, so you're going to get more time than you normally would if it was your first offense. But yeah, I, I, at the same time, though, I don't want to. You know, I, I'm happy with with the way the NHL has improved their area with with discipline. That well, they call it the Department of Player Safety now. Um, I thought they were real groundbreaking, putting the videos out, explaining specifically why a guy got the X amount of games and, you know, it, it putting the reasons and bullet points. I mean, you might not always agree with them, but I think that the NHL has gotten a lot better in that area. I mean, look. And at, they let, you know, you know the you, Andrew Shaw hit go Wednesday. Of course. Well, that was or Tuesday. Uh, yeah. They, I, they, didn't, they didn't even look at it. I mean, they looked at it to say, well, we're not looking at this. This, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you're talking about a guy who literally extends his head like a turtle getting something to eat at the last second as, you know, a guy's going to deliver a clean shoulder down hit. You know, I mean, any any hockey player who was watching that game that night, former or current, all said the same thing. Perfectly clean hit. Nothing nothing even look at there. Hey, speaking of Campbell, Colin Campbell, Gregory Campbell has been put on waivers finally by the Columbus Jackets. This just came across the wire. Former Bruin. He yep. um, had been suspended. They tried to send him to... Cleveland in the minors, and he refused to go. He gave up his. He was making one point three million in salary this year. He forfeited his salary and said, "I ain't going." So they suspended him, uh, you know, without pay. And uh, now they've just decided that after trying to trade him, they released him. Any possibility that uh, Don Sweeney would pick up the call, pick up the phone, and say, "Gregory Campbell at age thirty three, come in and take a look." I don't see it happening. Um, no disrespect for, to Greg. He was a great bro and did great stuff here. Uh, you know, the bottom six, uh, the, the Bruins roster, I don't think they really need any additions right now. I mean, you know, and then also you're going to be adding his salary. I mean, I think he was only making a million, a $1.1 in and actually $1.3 mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's really no viable reason for the Bruins to add him. Uh, 
you know, if he was a top six guy, <laughs> sure. But he's a he's a bottom, you know, but basically a fourth line. Not even. Really, I mean, he's basically a fourth line. The Bruins kind of have plenty of them right now. Uh, well, if you, if you said Hayes or Bleed or I guess Schaller, those would be the guys he would he would be competing with, right? Yeah, I, I just I, I don't see the I don't I, I don't see it at all. I don't. Their see PK's that. been good, so I think you're right. Those kind of role they, they have yeah. some pretty good role players. Let's go to Chris and Chelsea, who's been hanging out on Saturday skate. Ken Laird and Rear Admiral. What's going on, Chris? Ken, my man, you're doing great. You are a rising superstar in this league. You are absolutely doing You're killing it on the podcast. I listen to it every day. Thanks, dude. It's unbelievable. It's great to talk to you. Now, i got to take out the Bruins out to task. We, hockey East is the SEC of hockey, of hockey, you know, college hockey, and the Bruins, time after time, just don't wrap their mind around this. And it's not, They're not uh, you know, going after the local talent, whether it be high school, whether it be college. I mean, you know, just this week we're talking about you know, Josh Manson scoring a winning goal for the Ducks out of Northeastern. We're talking about, you know, Benning leaving, going to Edmonton. They do a gentleman's agreement, and Matt Benning is over in Edmonton, didn't play one goddamn game yeah. in the minors, <laughs> and and now he's starting for Edmonton. They gave him away for absolutely nothing. Kevin Waugh out of Northeastern is lighting it up, going to be with the Ducks within the next week or so. These are guys who are all in the backyard, and these Bruins who are charging $130 for balcony seats won't even – Go after the local talent, and I'm sick and tired of it. This is ridiculous. I mean, they draft out of BU, and that's it. But I'll tell you what, Hockey East is bigger than BU. You got that bust Jimmy Hayes from BC, while all these Northeastern guys are getting are escaping the Bruins. I'm sick and tired of it. Ken, I want your reaction, buddy. I appreciate the call. I got a feeling uh, Chris went to Northeastern. I, he definitely didn't go to BC. I yes, think I that's did. safe to say. I hey, know, nor did I. I appreciate the, uh, the Huskies' love, but... Uh, the biggest one was VC, of course, right? The local guy that they couldn't get to commit here was—that's actually harder to take, isn't it? Especially when Grizzly gets called up, and he's—he was talking about. Well, you—you you met him at the bar. Was he talking about VC at the I, bar? No, 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 no. It wasn't a bar. It was T. It was a—it was a restaurant. I don't oh. think he's. I don't want to put the kid in a bar. It was—it was T. Anthony's Pizza on Com Ave. It was stopping him for a okay. slice of pizza. I don't a want wholesome to, slice no, no, of yeah, pizza. Yeah, I—I—I'm not even saying. I don't even know what he was eating. I'm just saying I went in for pizza. He was not drinking. It wasn't a bar. Let's get that straight. Did you out. talk to him for a while? Or I, no? I talked to him briefly. Yeah, I—I I mean, I'm from the same neighborhood as him. He's He's much younger than, than me, obviously. I actually was his brother's boss at a summer job years ago. I know his his dad very well. His dad's a, a great guy. And even just talking about Grizz for a second, it you know, it's it, it's long odds to make the NHL anyways. Um, particularly when you grow up in a, in a place like Charlestown. It's in a city neighborhood that, has, you know, has a lot of uh, pitfalls, potential pitfalls for kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and he was able to, you know, not fall into that to any of them. Obviously, he went away to the National Train Development Program. That got him out of town for a while. But uh, it's such a testament to his hard work, to his determination, to his you know stick to it, to stick to itiveness. I guess if to make up a word, uh, it, you know it's it's a lot. A lot of kids from that town had a lot of talent over the last 30, 40 years. And you know, due to the the pitfalls of living in the city, or you know, uh, substance abuse, uh, you know, falling into that. I mean, you know, I mean, during the the, the Boston era, when you know kids had nowhere to go to school anymore, a lot of them, you know, they. It, the, the, uh, that's un, kind of an untold story of that is, you know, is all these kids who had no, I mean, they had a school to go to, but it was, it was a riot every day. I mean, kids lost a, a whole generation of kids lost the, an education and, you know, they fell into a, to a lot of bad stuff because of that situation. And, um, you know, to have it all these years later, to have a kid who's, you know, didn't, his parents weren't from here and moved out and raised them like, like the, you know, like Jimmy Vesey, for example, you know, he, his parents were from the town, but he was raised elsewhere. You know, Grizzy was from the town, born and raised there and, and made it to to play across the street. I mean, you grew up in Charlestown or the North End 
basically those two neighbors, obviously they're not that close, but you know, you're, you're in the shadow of the garden. You're literally across the street from the place. Um, and to, to see a kid from the, from the hometown, uh, make it there. And you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it fills you with pride. You're really happy for him. And again, his dad's a great guy. Obviously everyone knows the, the stories on the, the, the ice crew, the bull gang. He's been there for 45 years. Mr. Grizz, great guy. And it, it's just, a, it's really a good story. It's just, it's nice to see a kid from the city, um, do something good with himself and, and make it to the Boston Bruins. I mean, that's every kid in that city has dreamed of playing for the Boston Bruins at one one point or another. And, and Grizz has gone out and done it. And, uh, I think he, it's a testament to his, his determination and his skill and everything he's put into it, and it's really nice to see a kid rewarded like that. Makes that uh, Malcolm Subban draft look a little better, too. <laughs> Would have been nice if he got VC to come with him, though. It didn't happen. Oh, but... Well, you know, if the Bruins drafted him, I mean, I don't yeah, you know. I mean, Well, yeah, that was the thing. He was a free agent. That was a weird uh, just situation, and he chose, uh, of course, the Rangers. and having a hell of a year. All right, coming up, we get the uh, bet of the week from uh, Rear Admiral. You got any Action on uh, tonight's games? I know I'm gonna, you do. I'm gonna, Give I'm us your peru- play of the week. I'm going to peruse right now if we're coming back with it. All right, we'll come back with that. Also, we promised uh, some Colorado Avalanche trade talk, so we'll give you a theory of what big player, big name who might be on the market. Maybe the Bruins would be interested. We'll wrap up Saturday Skate. And Pete Shepard coming up top of the hour to talk some football with you next as well. You are listening to Saturday Skate with Rear Admiral and Ken Laird on Sports Radio WEEI. Stretch Ride of Saturday Skate brought to you by AT&T. Mobilizing your world star market. See what makes us shine and wide snacks. Ken Laird and Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. Again, we'll be off for a couple weeks over the holidays. Back on Sunday. Sunday Skate kicks up on January 8th at 8 a.m. Hope you can join us. Uh, Admiral brought up last week the trade possibilities with a seller. There are very few sellers in the NHL uh, rear and only a couple teams that are a couple names that have even been floated right now like uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's a name that's out there as far as goaltender goes, but Pretty quiet, painfully quiet, but Jerome McGinley, name you brought up, got some more um, talk this week. Adrian Dater out in Colorado said, indeed, the Avs are willing to uh, shop him if he wants to go to a winner. Uh, he's got a no-trade clause, so McGinley would have to agree to it. And another name that's rekindled again is a big one, 23-year-old Gabriel Landeskog, the Avalanche captain, second overall pick in the draft a couple years ago. He's making a lot of money. He's a big-ticket item. Left wing, they're looking for young defensemen. If you're the Bruins, do you think they'd even consider going for a bigger fish and bring in somebody like Landeskog and give up a couple of the young defensemen they have in the pipeline, something along those lines to, to spark the offense? Uh, what, as far as the Bruins bring in Landeskog? Yes. In? Yeesh. Um, he's, he is a, a hell of one. a talent. Yeah, he is a hell of a talent. Um, again, I, I mean, I don't get to see Colorado all that much, but what the hell happened to them, man? They, they've really fallen off. I mean, they, when the Patrick Waugh first got there, they looked like they were going to be, you know, a, a team to com- to compete for the next few years. You know, McKinnon, Duchesne, Landeskog. And then after that, there's just not a hell of a lot there, I guess, because they, no. they just haven't been getting it done. Defensively, they're last in the league. 3.17 goals allowed per game. So, obviously, they're looking for, for uh, some structure for some good defensive players and uh, – yeah, you know, the, I don't know that the Bruins are the perfect match there. Yeah, I, I, I but don't. It's see, intriguing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the Bruins obviously do have some nice defensive prospects, and that's who Colorado would certainly be keeping having their eye on if they they were to do that. Uh, I think this also may be a case of, um, yeah, I haven't, I didn't read the story. I don't know who the source is, or if it just you know. Kinda... Dra- Drager brought up his name in the off season, and Darren Drager from TSN and right. said his name had been thrown out in trade talks. 
Yeah. And there was some just some buzz that it's maybe back on this week. It's nothing right. not it's not like it's imminent or yeah. you know, that See, they're that, really shopping. And this is where the words are important because thrown yeah. out there. That means, yes. you know, again, that, that means uh, a GM could tell a reporter, Oh yeah, so and so called and asked about so and so. Well that means they called and asked about him, doesn't mean the team's looking to trade him. And I think that may be the case here. Uh Landis Scott, he's still he's only twenty four. He is the captain of the team. Um, you know, trading him would would really be sending a message to the to the fan base in Denver. Uh, not necessarily a a message I don't know if they'd want to send, but I'd be surprised if he does end up getting traded, as opposed to uh, Jerome McGinley, who it's just probably a matter of time where he ends up. Yeah. McGinley, uh, by the way, do you think he would want to come back here? That would be the other question from his point of view. Does he feel like Boston's a contender? When you're that old now, you're thinking, I'm going to the place where I can best right. get a cup, which we saw. He went to Pittsburgh that one year. and Yeah, I th- I think he'd probably want to go to some some with a better chance than the Bruins do right now, uh, but you know, we're not in March, right? Go well, to the Capitals or somewhere, we're, yeah. We're not at the deadline now, and, you know, a lot can happen between now and the deadline. Excuse me. Um, if, you know, if they're trading him in February, you know, who, who, let's see where the Bruins are then. If they're, you know, were there in the top two in the division, he'd probably consider it. But as far as him coming here in general, yeah, the, he he wanted to re-sign here after they, they got him at the Ted deadline last time. But because of Peter Shirelli's many, many no-trade deals and friendly contracts, um, they weren't unable to, to bring him back. All right, 30 seconds or less. What's your play of the night? And you've been getting crushed on these puck lines. I listen to your podcast. Or at least Whitney's been getting crushed with your advice. So this yeah. should be not taken seriously at all. Oh, oh, oh. Let, me show, let me show you my bankroll from two years ago. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, now, uh, tonight, um, tough slate. I, I, Carey Price back I for did, the Canadians I, you know, in I did, Washington? I did look at Montreal I, I, initially. I figured he got yanked last night. Um, I might throw something on Montreal. A guy like Price who's very proud. He gets yanked in a game coming back tonight. Probably throw a couple bucks on him. But the thing is, Washington's been playing great, too. Um, having said that, I think Price probably gives up one goal less tonight, so I'm probably going to throw a little something on the Canadians and um, maybe a little bit on the Devils as well. I, Ottawa's had a light week. They only had two games this week. I'd like them against uh, the, the Devils, Devils That's what I just said. Yeah, well, Kincaid's been a pretty, pretty, pretty decent backup. Um, Devils in Ottawa, they're basically two points apart. They're, they're both going to be fighting for the wild card spots while Ottawa's in the division right now, but... Yeah, Montreal probably my top pick, then maybe throw a little something on the doubles as well. Good stuff, Admiral. See you uh, in the new year on Sunday morning. And, of course, we'll be listening to you at Barstool Sports, the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Yeah, Spit and Chicklets on Barstool Sports at Rear Ad B's blog on the Twitter machine. And he'll be back, of course, with Christian Arcan some uh, late nights here in the next couple yes. weeks. Don't go anywhere. Pete Shepard's coming up. He's got Phil Perry joining him, among other guests. He'll be talking some football, leading you up to ESPN radio coverage and some bowl action tonight. I'm Ken Laird. This is Saturday Skate. This is Sports Radio WEI.